Hello, this is Corey Widmer, pastor of Third Church, and we're so glad that you joined us again for our podcast. And this today is a part of our series, Stories of Change. This month of January, we're focused on uh, studying together Colossians chapter 3, how God is at work changing people, and to accompany our sermon series, we're also releasing one story a week of someone in our congregation who has experienced God's work of change and who is continuing to experience God's work of change. So we've heard um, a few stories already, and this week we're excited to hear from Maggie Cox. Maggie is a student here um, at Third, and her family's been part of our church for a long time, and uh, really excited to hear from Maggie. Maggie is with us. Can you greet everyone, Maggie? Hi, everyone. It's great to have you here. So um, yeah, Maggie, you're young, and so (laughs) you haven't lived a long life yet, and yet you've already... Uh, experienced a degree of change that God has produced. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? Okay, thank you. Um, So I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home here at 3rd. My parents were followers of Jesus, and I went to Sunday school and church from day one. I always considered myself a Christian, but never really knew what that meant. Um, I didn't really care. Um, So in middle school, it's a hard time for most people. All, um, all, all people, yeah. actually, middle school is horrible. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, trying to fit in, and, you know, I was like an average student, um, and there was nothing that I really thought was special about me. Um, and so in about seventh grade, I fell into a really deep depression. Um, I just remember lying in my bed and crying, like couldn't bring myself to get up out of bed, to do anything, like there wasn't a purpose in life. Um And my depression grew as I saw how much it hurt my family. Um, I convinced that I was convinced that it was like um, it was better for my family if I wasn't if I hadn't you know if that doesn't really make sense. I okay, hang on. I had convinced myself that if it weren't for me, I wouldn't be miserable, and neither would my family. So when they tried to talk to me or help me out, um, all I could really see was the worry on their face, which Mm. made me hate myself like that much more. Um, And it just became a vicious cycle. So up to that point, I hadn't really thought much of church or God. Like church was a place that I came every Sunday for like the longest three hours of my week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so um, it was just what my family did. It was never like a discussion, like unless you were you know, deathly ill. It was Sunday mornings, Mm -hmm. you were at church. Um, So I, you know, I wasn't, not only was I not a fan, but like I despised church. Um, No offense, Corey. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) I I get it, man. I felt similar things. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I remember I would sit in the middle school girls Sunday school room and just like stare at the floor the whole time, just not thinking about anything, but just waiting to leave. Um, And as my depression deepened, I began to subconsciously blame God. Um, I began to to hate God. Mm. Like, I, you know, he wasn't on my radar at all. I was just miserable. And then, you know, I just, I didn't have anyone else to turn to. So it was a negative turning to God. I was just, I was over it. I was done. I was done with him. I was like, if this is the life you're giving me, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, And so... I mean, I once told my my parents, I said, I'm no more Christian than the atheist up the street. I want nothing to do with God. Hmm. You know, and they took that hard, as any parent would do. Um, 
especially any Christian parent would do. Um, so fast forward maybe like six or seven months, um, I was coming home from school on the bus with my longtime best friend, Trina Jeffer. Am I allowed to say other yeah, things? That's oh, okay. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And she didn't really know anything about what was going on with me um, emotionally. And so all of a sudden she just, like we weren't even talking, and she just looked at me and was like, um, you should come to the winter retreat with me. And I was like, why? Like in my head, I just kind of like looked at her. And in my head, I was like, why would she want me to come? Like, who cares about me? Um, what, like, why would she invite? Like, we've never, I don't go to church. I'm like, I mean, I don't go to Sunday school. I don't, wait, that's not true. I don't go to youth group. I'm not like involved in church. Like, I don't even like it. Um, you know, and I just looked at her and it, I mean, it was just totally the Holy Spirit working through me. And I just blurted out, yes. Hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. And then I just like, had no idea what I just said or why I said that, you know, and then she just rolled with it and was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, it's going to be so fun. You know, it's at Camp Little Run where I had gone for summer camp a few times um, before. And so, you know, I was like, well, I already said yes. I might as well just kind of see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came home and I told my parents and I was like, what do you guys think? You know, I was kind of expecting them to be like, well, no, we had plans, so you can't go. Um, you know, and my dad was like, well, when is it? And I was like, oh, I didn't didn't ask that question. Um, you know, so we found out it was, you know, in two days. So (laughs) the, you know, the deadline was like weeks before. Um, and I was like, part of me was relieved, but the other part of me was kind of upset because I'd kind of set myself up for, oh my gosh, like maybe this is like something different in my life. Maybe this will be better. And then I was like, oh, it's it's too late, whatever. Like mm. I, it's too good to be true. So then my dad texts um, Rick Hutton, um, my youth pastor, and was like, hey, you know, Maggie kind of wants to go. Is there any chance that she can go? And he was like, yeah, we'd be glad to have her. And I was like, someone would make exceptions for me? Like why, why would they do that? Mm. Um, you know, so it... You know, within that one hour, like, my life changed forever. Like, and I had no idea, like, what was about to happen. Um, so that, you know, two days later, that Friday, I walked up to the bus. And I, to this day, have never been so nervous. Like, I mm. um, I can't even, like, that just thinking about it makes me nervous again. <laughs> um, what do you think you were nervous about? I, I don't know. I think I was just nervous. I don't know whether I was more nervous to be like ostracized or to be accepted. Hmm. Like, I don't know whether, I think I was at a point in my life where I like genuinely believed there was no acceptance. Hmm. Like that was not going to happen. Everyone was against me and that's just how the world was. Hmm. Um, It was almost like if you were accepted, that would have to alter your entire worldview and the way that you thought about everything. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Which would be worse than the, you know, horrible way I was living. So somehow, um, so I ended up rooming with my grade level, um, which once again was the Holy Spirit taking control, um, as my small group who have been with me the past, like, um, five, five years now. Um, ever since I walked through that cabin door, um, they are like my rock. Um, they immediately befriended me. They showed me what the love of Christ looked like. Um, I kept waiting for the punchline where they would make fun of me or be mean or some sort of thing that my, you know, my 
really good friends at school what I'll do. Um, and But they never did. And so, like, that night, I was lying in bed, and I remember I'd only been there a few hours, but I was like, what? what is this? You know, mm. what is this acceptance and love that people share with me? Um, and so that weekend, I realized that I, I had found friends. I had a purpose in life was those friends. You know, even though it's not like they were, you know, my immediate best friends, um, well, that's a lot. They were my <laughs> they were my immediate best friends. But, mm. you know, still, it's not like that was my only purpose in life. But it, it kind of sparked, like, a little something inside of me. Like, I, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of mm. thing. Um, I had never felt so at home, away from home. Like, I was, mm. you know, with, you know, not a random church, but it felt like a random church. Um, I was – didn't have, you know, my family, didn't have, you know, the – friends that I thought, you know, with a, that were my friends. Um, I didn't have the, them with me. I, I mean, I was all, all alone essentially, and I have never been so, what's the word? Like not together with people, but like the opposite of alone. Uh, yeah. Accepted. <laughs> accepted. For, yeah. Included. Loved. Included. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it just, everyone welcomed me with, me with open arms, um, and I was just beside myself in awe of how um, it felt to be a part of something. Um, so the next night, I realized how miserable my life actually was um, and compared how that, you know, the 12 hours of just that trip had, you know, I was like, if my entire life, you know, could be like this or even a fraction of this, like, that is worth I mean, it's worth living. Um, and, you know, I I realized how badly I craved the love that everyone shared with me. Um, and, you know, I silently, like, cried out to God, and I was like, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, I just couldn't be alone. We had this, like, session where um, someone played the piano, and we was just was silent and dark. And I just remember, like, just, like, putting my face in my hands and just, like, sobbing. And, like, I just remember like praying to God, which I can't remember the last time I had done that. Um, and just being like, okay, like I give up, like I can't do this anymore. I, you know, I like, I can't be alone and that I need, I need you. Hmm. Um, and so that night I accepted Jesus into my heart, um, and acknowledged that he was my Lord and savior. Um, and that was just like the biggest, I mean, even though I was doing it by myself, like speaking by myself like my small group surrounded surrounded me like they could see that I was crying and they just all like just embraced me mm. with just and like even if they weren't touching me they were just I could feel the love like mm. radiating off of them mm. um you know and so I I realized I was no longer alone and my life since then has never been the same um mm. I came back from the retreat ask anyone I was a completely different person like I had a different outlook on life. I had a different outlook on myself. I, you know, I got rid of, you know, my my friends that were, mm. that were you know, hurting me and my self-esteem. And I Were your parents like, what did they yes, tell you at that yes. What did they feed you? What did <laughs> no, they- <laughs> my parents actually, like, sat me down one night. And we're like, you know, how, how was the retreat? Like, what's going on? You know, like, they were, of course, ecstatic that I right. wasn't, you know, this, you know, moping around like upset all the time you know and that I actually had you know good friends because you know they knew that my friends were terrible um I just I didn't um 
And so Sundays became my favorite day. They still are. Um, I get to, got to see my, you know, my new best friends and be around um, people who loved me and taught me how to love like Jesus did. Um, so fast forwarding um, a year after building a house in Mexico on a mission trip with Third, our treat was to go surfing to learn how to surf. Um, so I this was in in Mexico. No, in, in San Diego. In San Diego. Sorry, in okay. San Diego, yeah. And you had never been surfing before? No. Mm-mm. I'd also never been to the the West Coast, um, so I was really excited. Big, big moment. Um, you know, so we were all, like, getting lessons, you know, like, standing on the surfboard in the sand, like, oh, look at me. Like, we're so good at this. Um, you know, so Surfing's finally, pretty easy on yeah, the sand. Yeah, on the sand, uh-huh. <laughs> and so, you know, we, then we get out, and, you know, I had, like, a 10-foot surfboard, so it's, like, you know, double the size of me. Um, and so we get out there, and it's actually impossible to surf. I don't know how people do it because I didn't even get up on my knees. I don't, I mean, I don't have any coordination like whatsoever. So I don't really know what I thought was going to happen with that. Um, (laughs) but it's pretty hard. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of discouraged. I couldn't get up and I was watching, you know, the pros, you know, the people that were good in our group. I was watching them like, you know, shred the waves or whatever. And I was like, okay, this, I'm just going to go back to shore now. So I, you know, started to head back to shore, and so my surfboard was attached to my ankle, you know, in case you, like, fell off of it mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and so I started to walk back, and out of nowhere, um, this huge wave came, and the surfboard came and flipped up and hit me in the back of the neck. So it, like, mm. um, horizontally just right, right at the top of my spine. Um, and so... The last thing I remember is, like, sinking underwater. Um, and I remember looking up at the, like, at the, at the top of the surface. And I could, like, see, like, the sun glistening and stuff. And I could, you know, I just heard, like, silence and darkness. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, genuinely thought as I, like, sunk down, I was like, this is it. You know, like, I've accepted wow. Christ. I just did, like, you know, I just, you know changed my life once again by, you know, being in Mexico and made way more friends once again. You know, this is, this is it. Like, this is, this is what God has done for, like, this is what, this is. Wow. Are you saying you actually, like, thought you were dying and you felt peace? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, actually, I don't know about peace. I just, I just, (laughs) I just was like. at least resigned to the fact. (laughs) I was, I was at least, like, thinking about this is it. Like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Wasn't okay with it, (laughs) but you know, I was like, okay, if I could be God, you know, this is what I was. This is what I'm thinking. Like, you know, she's gotten to this point, blah blah Mm -hmm. blah. So, um, so yeah, you know, I'm sinking, and the last thing I remember, um, like, is just blackness. And so, from, so the next thing I remember, this is kind of weird, or people get weirded out when I say this, but I remember, like, it's. It's almost an out-of-body experience. Well, it is an Mm out-of-body experience. Um, I remember looking down on the beach. So I was, um, like, I was sitting in the sky. I remember that. And I was looking down on the beach, and I could see my body. My head was towards the ocean. And I could see my, someone, I was, like, laid flat out, and I had a metal neck brace um, around my neck. And the, I could see Lauren Luck sprinting down the beach and then the pair I could like see the um ambulances coming down the beach 
And I could see all the people that were starting to gather around me, like people were, you know, wiggling my toes, trying to see if I could feel something. And, you know, I wasn't responding. I, you know, I, I, and I assume I was still breathing. Yeah, I was still breathing. Um, and I remember this. I'm so positive that it happened because there was this little girl that I remember she was walking by with her mom and she had curly brown hair and she had this little yellow bikini that had cheetah print on it. And I used to have the exact same one. And that's how, and she... And you remember, like, looking at her yes, from up in the I, sky like, and saying, I, oh, I had that bathing suit. I, like, I <laughs> can see her face. Like, she... And I remember her mom was holding her hand and, like, pulling her along, like, trying to get out of the way of the, like, um, paramedics and stuff. And she was just, like, pointing and staring. And they were walking, like, towards the ambulances, like, trying to... Or away from the ambulances, trying to get out of the, um, out of the way. And... I, you know, looked at, looked at it and I was like, wow, this is, you know, this, this is what happens next. Like I see my body, I see what I'm leaving, you know, and I'm, you know, that's it. And I genuinely, I did feel peace there that I, I mean, I remember just, you know, it was like I was sitting on clouds. I was, I was perfectly fine. I, you know, I was watching everything from below and I don't remember, but you know, I do remember this, like, just it glowing around me. You know, I don't know whether it was, a like, a big bright light or, or what it was. Um, but it just, I felt the presence of God, like, Jesus was sitting next to me. Like, it, you know, it was so surreal. Like, I'm getting chills now mm. just talking about it. Um, and so, the, you know, the next thing I remember was waking up in the ambulance. Mm. And so I woke up and I was just, you know, so confused because, you know, I thought I died. Then, you know, now all of a sudden I'm back and I'm like, what just happened? You know, I didn't remember any of it. And so they rushed me to the hospital um, and I'm lying in the, in the um, ambulance and my arm was lying off the, like, lying off the gurney or whatever. Um, and I remember the paramedic was like, oh, honey, can you, can you put your arm on your stomach? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, where is it? And she was like, what? And I was like, isn't it on my stomach? And she was like, no, like, can you move it? And I couldn't move it. You couldn't move your arm. Mm-mm. And I couldn't move my neck to see where my arm was. Like mm-hmm. I could move my eyes and then that was it. And she was like, can you move anything? And I just looked at her with just like terror. And I was like, I can't move. Um, and I remember crying and just, you know, Catherine Fitch was sitting with me in the ambulance and she just, the look on her face, it was like, I would have rather died. Like Mm. then, I mean, you know, I, I was, I knew I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I knew that something was wrong because I was in an ambulance. Um, and so they got me to the, um, hospital and I could only see the ceiling you know the tiles Mm. changing which is the only way that I knew that I was in a different room you know I couldn't like I couldn't turn I couldn't you know the nurses and doctors were yelling things like 15 year old girl like surfing accident stuff and I was like that's how I knew what happened because I was like uh, I have no idea like 15 year old Mm. girl that's me like surfing accident I was just surfing you know and they like they cut me out of my bathing suit they you know, took all these tests and stuff. They were trying to get me to, res- like, my, like, toes to respond and, like, you know, my reflexes and nothing was, nothing. I was just, like, 
what's the unresponsive. Yeah, unresponsive. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, and so I, my nurse, I'm, I'm not really sure why she did this, and like, it just makes me mad to this day. But I was telling her about, you know, being in Mexico, and I was super excited to tell her about, you know, the house that we just built and the family we just met. And I was telling her that I was going to go home the next day, and then I was going to the beach with my family. And she finally just looked at me and was like, sweetheart, like, you're not going home. And I was like, what? You know, and she was like, you will never walk out of this hospital. Wow. She said that to you. Yes. And I just kind of looked at her and just kind of like laughed and was like, huh, okay. Like, whatever you say, um, you know, and I, I don't know why she ever said that, but I mean, wow. boy, did God really prove her wrong. <laughs> um, you know, so about after six hours of having, you know, no feeling, not being able to move, my parents are in Richmond. I'm in San Diego. So, you know, they're freaking out. Right. You know, Rick is in the, um, is in the, the waiting room and he doesn't know what's happening, you know, and so he's just on the phone with them like, hey, guess what? You know, your daughter's paralyzed maybe I, I mean I don't I don't know how that conversation you know um went but so about six hours after having no feeling um all of a sudden I I'm a, I'm a fidgeter and so I my fingers I started fidgeting my fingers and all of a sudden my nurse just looked down and was like what are you doing and I was like oh sorry I'm a fidgeter and then all of a sudden like you know we both just kind of like looked at each other and within 10 minutes I could move everything like, wow. I just complete, like, I had no problems. I, you know, I mean, I had still had a neck brace, so I couldn't move my neck. But, I mean, everything else, I could move my hands. I could, you know, touch my elbow. Like, just, you know, things that are everyday, you know, movements that I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I can put my hand up to my face and see it. Like, mm -hmm. this is, this is insane. Um, you know, so up until then, all my doctors and nurses told me they were all multiple actual set multiple of them actually said you know you're not gonna leave like you you know like my one of my nurses said like I've never had a patient that had um a spinal injury um or a hit to the spine like you did and you know not have you know be able to walk out um be able to be okay um you know and so um they told me I was never going to walk out. They told me I was never going to be okay. They told me I wasn't going to fly home. You know, they were even making plans like, you know, okay, well, this is, you know, we might be able to get you in a wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. And not only did I walk out the next day, but I, I don't even have a bruise. I never even mm. had a bruise. Like, I don't have any repercussions. I can move my neck. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. There... Like, literally, there wasn't even a bruise. Mm. Um, you know, and my spine doctor came in and looked me over and was like, um, and I, I don't know if he was a Christian or anything about him, but he looked at me and was like, I don't know how or why you're okay because you shouldn't be even close to okay, um, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And he said, you're a miracle and God has big plans for you, so don't ever forget that. Mm. And I was wow. like... That's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for a 15-year-old. You know, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, thanks. Like, I'll mm. see you later. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, dealing with, like, the, like, PTSD from that, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night. Um, I went home with the, the, everyone mm -hmm. else. I went to the beach then the next day, which was 
great. Um, Probably didn't surf. No. Mm-mm. I didn't really get in the ocean <laughs> yeah. much, actually. <laughs> Just kind of watched from, like, the mm-hmm. window. <laughs> um, you know, but I, um, you know, after the traumatic experience, like, I woke up in the middle of the night a lot. Just, you know, and I was right back on that beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and people didn't really realize how big of a deal it was, I don't think. Um even people that were there, just because I shook it off, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm fine, haha, like, let's go surfing again, you know, because I didn't want to, you know, recognize how traumatic it actually was, mm-hmm. and that, you know, my life literally flashed before my eyes, mm. um, you know, and so it that continuation of, like, people talking about it just so nonchalantly, and myself acting like it didn't really matter, um, you know, it just, it brought me to really struggle. And I went to see a lot of like neurosurgeons and neuro doctors and stuff like that, just because I was convinced I was like, there has to be something wrong with me. There has to. Hmm. And at one point, um, I remember telling, um, Lauren Luck actually that I wanted there to be at least something sort of wrong with me because hmm. then people would understand, just that it how, actually was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, that it affected me in a huge way. Like, that joking about it, like, I couldn't handle the jokes about it. Like, it was, mm. you know, I couldn't even handle talking about it. Like, it yeah. just, you know, even, and but I was fine. So how do you explain to someone who's, you know, doesn't really remember it, doesn't know what happened, doesn't remember it. Like, you know, even if they were on the trip, they weren't at the hospital with me, you know, and you know, so it was just, it was hard because, you know, I didn't, I wanted to understand where people were coming from, but at the same time, I just started to build up a, like an anger towards people that, that didn't understand, Hmm. but how could they, if I never, never told them? Hmm. Um, so, um, God has definitely used me in ways that I could never have imagined. Um, since my commitment to Christ, um, at Camp Willow Run, my parents tell me often that I um, am blessed with the gift of evangelism. Um, I really enjoy sharing my faith. Um, it comes easily to me, I think. I, I mean, I don't have really have a problem with talking, um, <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm, I mean, I love telling people about it because it's, I mean, it's the craziest story. Like, I'm mm. blessed to have it. Um, you know, even if we're, there were like some bumps along the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so my relationship with, um, the Lord is definitely the most important one in my life. Um, and if someone had told me, um, that I would be who and where I am today, um, the day Trina invited me to that winter retreat, I would have been like, mm, that's funny. Like, good one. Try again next time. Like mm-hmm. no way. And never. Um, I, I was already unhappy. I didn't need God to to make you more unhappy. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I just was like, I'm already, I'm already miserable. I don't need a false hope type of, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um, which is sad looking back that that's how I looked at it. Um, you know, but it brought me here today. So, mm. um, I mean, I was so wrong and so, so blinded, um, you know, and God did have a plan for me and it wasn't, you know, to live in misery. Um, and I would, I wouldn't be the positive, like confident, 
like, um, Jesus loving person, um, that I am today, uh, let alone have a relationship with God without my, um, wonderful parents who no matter what, like, no matter how often I push them away, you know, as a middle schooler, um, you know, they never stopped supporting me. Um, and of course my unofficial mentor slash therapist who's always there for me, um, Lauren Luck, <laughs> she has never ending amounts of love and compassion and of course advice for me. My relationship with God is stronger than ever. Um, I now work with the fifth and sixth grade youth groups, also known as Club 56, um, because I understand, I remember how hard those like in between years can be. Um, I love my middle schoolers. I call them my middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love spending time with them. Um, I often get together with my now seventh graders because they're graduates of Club 56. Mm. Um, and it's one of my favorite things to do. They're they're just so fun. Um, they remind me of, of myself and when I was in middle school. Um, they, I was eager to fit in and unsure of how to act or what to think, especially what to believe. Um, you know, and their questions about God keep me humble. They they remind me that I'm not not that great of a Christian. You know, um, in Club 56, they ask me things, and I'm like, hey, Rick, like, Rick, we have a theological question. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, so I'm also currently a part of Third Student Ministries leadership team and the worship team. And I'm a dedicated member of Third Church and a regular attender of Sunday School, the 1115 service, Club 56, and Youth Group. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for your story and so grateful that even though, are you you 17, 18 now? Um, I'm almost 18. Almost 18. (laughs) Um, Though you're so young, um, you have so much to teach us already and you have so many (laughs) ways that you can point to God's grace at work in your life. And I think... You're one of the preachers for yes. Student Sunday yes. coming up, right? That's the first Sunday thing. in February. So yes. we're, we'll be we'll be excited. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast, um, this can just be a little teaser for you to hear Maggie as one of our preachers. Yes, um, I think. I'm excited. It'll be fun. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, and thanks for sharing your story. Thank you.